This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2. This reading serves as the basis for the sermon today. Keep in mind that when Paul wrote this letter to the Christians at Ephesus, the members of that congregation had come from two different backgrounds. Some who had a Jewish background, now Christians, some a non-Jewish or Gentile background. The Gentiles, in their background, had always felt far away from the Lord. Are we members of God's family and his house? Paul now addresses the unity that Christ brings. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace and has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Puts his nose right up to the camera, eyes almost touching the lens, and then he whispers, near. And then he hobbles his way back to the back of the room, as far back as he can get, and he's getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and then he hollers, far And then he teeters back to the front and does it again, near and far. And you know who it is. It's Grover from Sesame Street. For decades, he's been teaching our children lessons on near and far. And I'm not sure what it is about that particular lesson. Maybe it's that it was my favorite character who taught the lesson, but... I'm not sure why the particular near-far lesson sticks out in my head, but I can tell from the smiles that I see in your eyes that maybe it sticks out for you as well. The Lord God teaches us a lesson today about near and far. It's a lesson that he teaches through the Apostle Paul in his inspired letter to his friends, in the church in Ephesus. But God has more in mind than just teaching some directional words, just more in mind than just increasing our vocabulary. 
Paul teaches us the lesson that God wants us to learn, a lesson about what it means for our lives and for our eternities being either far or near to God. Distance is a relative thing, would you agree? Is six feet a long distance or a short one? You might have called it short until that was the requirement for you to stay away from every human being that you're not related to. Now it seems pretty far away, doesn't it? I lived for 12 years in a place where I referred to a family that lived 35 minutes away from me as our near neighbors. But I think that that relative distance concept rings true even in a a big city, even in a place like Wisconsin. Is Green Bay near or far? About a two-hour drive, one that most people wouldn't bat an eyelash at doing there and back in one day, and if the trip has a Packers game in the middle, it will seem like it's even shorter. But what about if you're walking? And what about if it's raining cats and dogs? You might want to change your answer then, huh? Is Minneapolis near or far? Five hours on the highway something that you might not want to do uh, there and back in one day unless you absolutely had to. My wife recently made that trip with six kids in the minivan. I think she was happy. Uh, Just a one-way trip was enough for her. But if you get in an airplane, it's an hour and 15. Not all that far away after all. Modern technology advances in transportation. It really has made the world to be smaller. It has brought places and people that once seemed far away has brought them to be near. FaceTime or Zoom allows you to be face-to-face with someone who is thousands of miles away. And yet, even with all those advances you know that the opposite can be true. Maybe you've experienced it, sitting side by side with someone yet feeling worlds apart. Our God is omnipresent. That's a big Latin word that means that he's present everywhere. Jesus attests to that truth in Matthew chapter 18 when he says, for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. That means that our God is present with us here today. But more than just present here, he's present everywhere. He's present in the jungles of South America. He's present in the mountains of China. That means that God is literally near to every human being on the face of the earth. But is that really true? The Apostle Paul uses this concept of being far away to talk about the Gentiles that lived in and around the city of Ephesus. They were those who once were far from God, not because God's omnipresence somehow bubbled around them and left a void, but they were far from God because they hadn't grown up 
They hadn't been raised in the way of the Lord. They didn't know who he was. And other than the moral code that God writes onto the hearts of all people, they didn't know how to live for him. They were far away from God. And yet the irony of Paul's words is that those Jewish people the ones that most would consider to be near to God weren't that much better. Though they had every advantage that was given to them by the Lord, though they were raised to know the Torah and the law of God, though they had the whole Old Testament and knew who God was and how he wanted them to live, they were just as powerless to do it. Their sins had kept them just as far away from God. And so the same is true for us, whether you are a recent convert to Christianity or you've been a lifelong Wells member, whether you have Luther's small catechism and all the explanations memorized or don't even know what that is, the reality is that God gives us his law. He gives us his standard of perfection to live up to and every day we who should be near to him end up living Far away, And because we are far away from God in our sins, we deserve to have far away be our eternity. We deserve pain and punishment and hell. Yet our God didn't want to see us or anyone perish. And our God who knows us better than we know ourselves, he knew that we could not come near to him. He knew that we couldn't wash ourselves or make us make ourselves to be more fitting to stand in God's presence. God knew that we couldn't come near to him, and so he came near to us. Christ Jesus, God himself, took on human flesh to live your life and mine. He lived in human flesh, though he lived his life perfectly, a way we never could. Jesus allowed distance between himself and the glories that he deserved. He left heaven and came to earth a pretty far trip. Even farther when we recognize how undeserving we are of the grace that he gives. He lived that perfect life and then when that life was done, he laid it down on the altar to be the sacrifice. To be the payment price that your sins and mine deserve so that we wouldn't have to die for our sins. Christ Jesus was willing to die. He was willing to shed his blood so that we could be near to God here on earth and forever in heaven. That's why Paul says to the Ephesians, Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Through him we have access to the Father. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household. Have you ever taken a trip to a foreign country? Have you ever been in a foreign country and felt very attuned to the fact that you were the stranger? That you were the foreigner? Though you were close in proximity to the locals, you probably felt pretty distant, pretty far away, not being able to read the signs, not being able to communicate very well. You were probably very attuned to the fact that you didn't really 
belong there. The place where you belong, the place where you'd find the most comfort was miles and miles and miles away because you were a foreigner, you were a stranger. Even though we are foreigners and strangers in the presence of God, he's changed us. He's changed our hearts and changed our lives. He makes it so that we are members of God's household, a status that we haven't earned by our good behavior, something that we didn't deserve but God gives us by his grace. He makes us to be members of his household. We feel at home in the presence of God because he has washed our sins clean through the waters of holy baptism. We feel at home in the presence of our God because he has made us to be members of his family. God has brought us to be near to him, not just in omnipresence, but he's made us near to him spiritually and emotionally. He gives us the confidence to stand in his presence. He gives us the joy of a little boy who climbs into his father's lap because he knows how much that father loves him. That's who we are in the blood of Christ. And now being brought near to God can't help but change the relationships that we have with one another. A strange thing happened on the Western Front in World War I. The year was 1914, December 24th, 1914 to be specific. After months and months of bitter bloodshed and battle, a truce was called. People who were far away from different countries and fighting for different causes laid their weapons down, came out of the trenches, and came into the area called No Man's Land. The ceasefire allowed them to pay respect to the fallen. The ceasefire allowed them to communicate with one another, to share Christmas greetings. Some of them even made gifts to give to one another, and it went on more than that. They sang Christmas carols with one another. Someone found a football, and they played catch. These soldiers on opposite sides, fighting for opposite countries far far away, separated by trenches and no man's land and different colored uniforms and razor wire and heavy artillery, those that were that far away came near to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And if those that are that far away, that diametrically opposed to one another, can get together to celebrate the birth of Jesus How about celebrating the birth and life and death and resurrection of Christ? How much more so does the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus bring us together? How much more does that motivate us to lay down those weapons and to live in harmony and peace? There are people that we have some distance from, but probably very few in your life that are as hostile to you, that you are as much an enemy to as the central powers and the allies in World War I. Maybe it's a person or some people at church. 
they're just from a different generation. Maybe they hang out with a different group of people. Maybe they have some different ideas about where the church should head. Maybe they have some different attitudes about what it means to be an active participant in the mission of a church. Maybe they have a different political viewpoint. Maybe they have different thoughts, ideas, or sensitivities to masks or or social distancing. It's okay to be different. Don't let the devil use those things as excuses for anger. Don't let the devil use those things as a reason to take up arms against those that are really on the same side. Don't participate in the friendly fire, the not-so-friendly fire of jealousy, anger, and hatred. The devil wants nothing more than to sow the seeds of discord among us. He wants God's church to be broken apart, to be factioned. He wants God's people to forget who the enemy really is so that he can sow his destructive seeds unhindered. Don't let the devil trick you into thinking that your brother or sister in Christ is the enemy. Don't let the devil trick you into thinking that those are the ones who are far away because Christ Jesus has shed his blood for you and for me and for the world. He shed his blood for every single soul that sits here. We're on the same team. Christ Jesus has brought us near through his love. The devil hates, hates with a capital H, the concept of being a church family. He doesn't want the gospel to foster and strengthen relationships. He doesn't want God's people to consider one another brothers and sisters in the faith. He doesn't want us to be there for each other, to encourage and support to pray for and love. He doesn't want any of those relationships to be there and he's going to fight with all his might to prevent it. But the blood of Jesus is stronger than the devil's strengths. The blood of Jesus is a tighter glue than what the devil can undo. We are a family in Christ. Fellow souls, loved by Jesus and joint heirs of everlasting life. Maybe those squabbles come a little closer to home. Maybe it's within your own family. Maybe there's strife between husband and wife, discord between child and parent, fighting between siblings. Christ Jesus longs for loved ones to show his love Christ Jesus longed for those who are loved by him to show their love for one another. And we can do just that. It's only two chapters later in this same letter to the Ephesians that Paul writes these encouraging words. He says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. When you are feeling far away from a loved one, you can be the one to take the first step. You can be the one to start the process of reconciliation. You can be the one to show Christ-like love. You can be the one to show forgiveness. 
that those that sin and strife has caused to be distant can be brought to be near in the name of Jesus. Grover has been teaching lessons about near and far for decades, but a far more important lesson for us to learn is how much God loves us. That though we were far from him in sin and rebellion, he was still willing to show us love. He was still willing to do everything that was necessary to make us to be near to him here on earth and forever in the glories of his heaven. And so, my friends, let's celebrate that nearness. Let's thank God for his forgiving grace that has made us near to him Let's exercise the nearness that we have with one another as we reach out in kind words and Christian love. And let's ask that God give us opportunities to share the love of Jesus with those who still are far off. That many more might have lives and hearts and eternities that are changed by the gospel. That many who are distant, who are far away, might be brought near through the blood of Christ. In the name of Jesus, who is our peace. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.